This week on South Rugby Podcast, it's all about the Rugby World Cup final, as we preview South Africa against the All Blacks in the biggest showpiece in rugby. We'll also touch on the semi-finals, with England coming so close to another World Cup final. Enjoy. Hello, welcome back to Tough Road Podcast. Place tonight. We've got the two usual men in the studio on finals week. How are we, boys? Doing very well, Tough. Um, to be honest, I'm just happy that uh, the Harv's here and he's not pumpkin picking. So I'm. Uh... <laughs> Who was the pumpkin picker today? It's true. It's true. Mr. Alistair Telfer. Yeah. I actually haven't been pumpkin picking. I actually kind of scarved on pumpkin picking this year. Oh, um, okay. I know other commitments, hashtag golf. But yeah, um, no. Um, you missed pumpkin, just for a background story, if Harvey missed a podcast years ago now from pumpkin picking. Actually, it comes around every year, you know. Um, <laughs> I, I'll, never, I'll never live it down. I'll never live it down. We just didn't think it was a valid excuse to go pumpkin picking rather than talk about rugby like ridiculous. But interesting, yeah. <laughs> Golf came before pumpkin picking for you this year. But nope. We're not of time for pumpkin picking. We're moving into Halloween, moving into Rugby World Cup final weekend. But before that, let's have a capital uh, recap of the uh, semi-finals, boys. We had one. Well, we kind of hinted. We felt we were going to probably get one blowout and one tight. We predicted, and I'll throw it to Zach firstly, because Zach's teaser clip that uh, England, he genuinely, they genuinely got a, got a bit of publicity because he had to put in that word just to genuinely make it clear rather than just going, England are going to win this. Genuinely, I think England are going to win this. All about the, ad- was, the adverb, you know. It was that genuine. But yeah, Zach, you called it and had a few people in the DM saying, um, fair play, Zach, you're right. Because a lot of people thought it was going to be a blowout and yeah, went how you thought it would. Yeah, like to fair tough, I genuinely thought that they were going to win, you know, like genuine. <laughs> I said it again. I didn't even mean to do that. I just did it. But no, like I actually did think they were going to win because I thought they would finally click and they would just really frustrate South Africa and it would just be a really dirty game where they would just play possession. They would just kick for post every chance they get, especially looking at South Africa's ill discipline. And to be honest, for what, 75, 78 minutes of that match, that's essentially what happened. You know, they frustrated South Africa. They starved them of the ball. They um, played possession. I thought Mitchell had one of his best games in an England show. He was critical to that. Um, just not just the kicking for possession, but also the kick chase that followed that. They um, frustrated South Africa. South Africa gave away penalties. Owen Farrell kicked everything that he got. And in the end, they came up just short. So... But- they were perfect yeah. for 70 minutes, you're trying to say? And just yeah. when the crunch mattered, when the crunch they came. They had the perfect game plan for 70 minutes. Their game plan was executed to perfection for 70 minutes. And then um, South Africa just proved why they're world champions. And they found a way eventually. You know, it was like they were These, everything like that. What's the common theme here? The knockout games won in the last 10 minutes? Always. Yeah. So Always. that's my first question to you, Harv. Should he have flipped it and brought on his scrummagers? towards the end of the game because a lot of chat has been about and a lot of high profile people have now admitted that Genge's knee did go down first and it was a penalty because you never know if those scrums that goes all over the place but there has been footage of Genge's knee going down and it did feel like a good call so my question to you yeah is obviously Mahler and Cole didn't they didn't give any away did they? they they held the fort really well and then just when the push came on and i know it's not just the props because when you got big sniming and all coming in behind you it's it's a full effort but 
Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Should he have finished with his scrummagers in the crunch, or did he just need a platform early? Yeah, I think I think you kind of answered your own question there in the sense that going into this game, and we predicted it as well, if England were going to have any chance, any chance, we had to have a foundation. We had to be the guys ahead. I don't think we've done very well at chasing at all in recent times. Our ability not to put on a tremendous amount of points is probably the biggest factor in that. Like if we give ourselves a 10, 12 point deficit, it's very tough to get back, especially against a side like South Africa, because they can then play their own game. They dictate the play. Whereas because we went ahead, we had that lead for most of the match. We dictated how we wanted to play. And if I'm being completely honest, as much as Dan Cole and Marla are tremendously better um, scrummagers than Genge and Sinclair, I still think they probably would have had a really tough time against Oxenchay and Cock. Like it was, it's just the way I, I think he's the best scrummage. Oxenchay in particular is the best scrummager in the world. Like there's no doubt about it in my head now. And I think, look, he might not have, um, Marla might, is it Marla on that side? I can't remember. Cole, Cole, sorry. He might have not given as many away as Sinclair did, but he still would have. And Genji probably, you know, Marla on the other side probably would have as well. And I still think the tie would have turned. So I, I don't I don't disagree with the way that uh, Borthwick set up the side. And I think the way we set it up was the gave us the best possibility of winning that match. And that came right down to crunch. I know what you mean. Like, South Africa do that on purpose. They leave the two best scrummagers to come on. So yeah, yeah, and then it just all evens out. No, it's it's interesting dynamic how you how you do this because we can't give Rassi and Ninabar all the credit really when they did probably get their halfbacks wrong. Would you say Faf and Pollard should have started? Because you can't um, say bringing Manny off at thirty minutes is genius. No, what? it's not genius. It's adapting. They 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 saw what was in front of them. They realized this is the gaming we're trying to play. Therefore, they had to adapt. If anything, it's good coaching. It's ballsy coaching to make that decision. And it was uh, not ultimately the right decision. Although it's question marks over the... Like, I, 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 like I, you know, I literally predicted how England would play, you know? And, like, I'm just some rando who doesn't really have yeah. much knowledge compared to, like, who's supposed to be one of the greatest coaches of all time and with an incredible coaching setup. And they didn't predict that England were going to play like this. Therefore, it was better to have Pollard. Yeah, it just kind of baffles me. And Why? like Willie LaRue as well, like that's a big one. Like yeah. aerially and just, just being solid, coordinating that back line. For me, he would have made such a big difference. We we I don't think they genuinely won a single aerial battle for like the first 40 minutes. Like yeah. I don't know the stats on that, but it was very close to one, if not none. And I think uh, to be fair to Freddie England, I, I watched a, a Twitter video of how they set up to defend Freddie Sure, I thought it was actually really interesting of how they basically shielded him like an American football game, like the, the, the way that the the guys shield the quarterback, you know, it kind of felt like that. Um, and it was, you know, it was legal, it was tactical. I thought it was very interesting. But even still, it just baffles me that they didn't think England were going to play this way. They didn't think it was going to be a grudge match of, you know, just take the points when they're on offer. Yeah, it was just bizarre. Yeah, in, in my opinion as well, like, and I can say it now, they're the ones in the final, who cares? Like, but both were outclassed. Ninaba and and whatever his face is called there, like Razi. Like in my head, he genuinely he 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 made the first move and the move was very effective. I think if it wasn't for the sheer class and quality of that South African team, things wouldn't have, you know, not no other team would have got out of that hole, in my opinion, just the way we were playing. Like I think as much as we all put it down to yeah, Pollard came on. Pollard had very, very little impact until it came to a spot kicking, which by the time it actually mattered, he would have been on the pitch regardless. No, regardless of how they made that, the changes. 
for the try, Pollard put it right into the corner for them all. And that was that, that, yeah, like, that was... they were a long way out, and he just drilled that. Yeah, into but the he would corner. have been on at that point anyway. I think that was like 60 no, odd. No, no, not? the plan was to stay in touch and Pollard come on and close it out. And I, I agree with you, Harv, like that what was always going to happen. Him and Faf were going to close it out, and we'll get on to what to do now for the final, obviously, because now that, that's imagine going into World Cup final, we don't know who the halfbacks are again, classic South Africa. But no, I know what you mean. It was just so close. And just a word then. Courtney Laws has announced his international retirement now after the third place playoff. Owen Farrell, utterly exceptional. That drop kick and then just the wee, the wee nod when he's like, just I'm the man. And I spoke before about he has those minerals like Andre Pollard to turn it on on the biggest nights. And we said you're either born with that or not. Well, we and, said tell from the in the group chat who other player in world rugby. Hits that hits the Pollard penalty at that moment in the game in one of the biggest games in the world, and the only other person is Owen Farrell. You know they're yeah. kind of league of them in that sense. And I I, I do think Arvin and you've said before like it's going to be I know it's probably a bit more England focused because because of having Harvey and us Northern Hemisphere boys on and we will be a bit more South African now when we preview. But yeah, what some up Borfic was when Pollard smashed it over. And straight away, George Ford came on just in case they needed a long-range drop kick. For him to be able to think in that split second, get Ford on right now, if this goes over, that's 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 top, top-tier coaching. And if they did get a chance, Ford or Farrell would have been able, yeah. I'm sure, to give it a crack from that far out. But, so, Harv, but how do you feel as an England fan watching that performance? Like, do you and just, but just before that, Zach, oh, sorry, sorry. England, with the that was the first game in the Rugby World Cup, a team didn't make a line break. So, but that's no surprise. That is no surprise. Well, it's, it's if anything, that's I know, does I that know. matter? Does that matter? No, is my no, question. I think the way they set up that, that they they set up that way, you know, and and it nearly worked. It nearly worked. If no, any, but yeah, that's my question. Anything, are you happy to get on board potentially with this just winning rugby? But that only works yeah. against South Africa and maybe the likes of Ireland. I don't think it, you have. You can, it's a course for courses. You can play that yeah. way against New Zealand. They just smash you. And I don't even think you could play it necessarily against. Ireland just because of the for me we identified one of their biggest weaknesses and I really hope getting onto the preview New Zealand utilize this their backs are awful in the air like awful and they have no protection they have no strategy to protect I think they got caught crossing once if not twice where it was just or impeding whatever you want to call it where there was no there was no like Zach, you just mentioned there it was really clever defending of Freddie Stewart he almost felt like he had more time than he did because he had that clear leap every time he went up for the ball and that was not the case with South Africa. They were completely bewildered by our kicking. And if you can get ball to point every time, New Zealand have got New Zealand have got a real opportunity there. Because to me, that's their biggest weakness. But to get onto your first point, Zach, you mentioned how do you feel? Look, <laughs> we talked about it in the preview for this World Cup and everything. We had no expectation. We were an awful side, genuinely an awful side. And I can't be anything more than proud for that England side. That performance for me, I know you mentioned not a single line break. If anything, that that just emphasizes even more how much the team listened to a game plan. The problem we were having, particularly towards the back end of Eddie Jones, was there was no direction. It was like he was saying things in conferences and then the players were doing completely other things on the pitch. And there was just no coordination. There was no nothing. And to be honest, towards the early parts of Borthwick, it felt the same. To me, that was the first time I've seen that England side 
in recent times anyway, go out there with a clear and obvious game plan and almost, almost execute it to perfection. And to me, with the ability we have with Smith coming back in with some of the young guns in there, like we had a young side. I think both mentioned it after the game. I think we had seven under 25 year olds or something and they had one. Like we've like in the starting 23, that is like, that's impressive. And that doesn't include a lot of the youngsters that were kind of on the borderline there as well. Like it's, it's good. It's good for the future. And I think this doesn't necessarily just mean we're going to play one dimensional kick in rugby. There's some real talent and some real flair in those young ranks. And if we can prove that we can, both we can implement a game plan and we can execute it to almost perfection. What's to say over the next few years when he builds up some extra game plans and finds out his way that he wants to play that we can't execute anything. Ultimately, if you listen to your coach, you respect your coach and you have a solid background behind your team, anything can happen, particularly with the plethora of talent that England side has. Yeah, no, and I spoke about the last dance vibe and the likes of Elliot Daly, Johnny May, they all showed that last dance vibe. Courtney Law's absolutely exceptional and well, well of course, give him the airtime he deserves because I'm sure he's going to put in a stellar for final game against Argentina, but all those guys, every single guy from the 2019 era stepped up big time and that's elite. That's Hall of Famers, but sadly no World Cup finals, so it's that's just how the cookie crumbles. They're open a hundred pollard kick, and I'm sure Harvey would have taken that before and positives to build now. And Borfuck in his first season at Leicester did very similar. Seen what he had, lost a lot, really got used to it, and then won the premiership in the second season, got the game plan, executed to perfection, plays horses for courses, picks teams who's playing, blah blah blah. You know, good coach, gets the job done. Maybe not razzle dazzle, but shoot on, shoot on. Saturday, the weekend that you don't need Razzle always. So, no, uh, on Saturday. So, on to then the other semi final, which quickly Argentina, we hyped them up and they just didn't deliver. And I especially <laughs> was the king of the Argentina hype train because I just felt, yeah, they were, yeah, hyping that up. And the draw's been so hyped, and England kind of showed that, kind of not shut up everyone up about the draw, but just showed that, look. You only had one blow out in the semi. It wasn't that deep, the draw. But at the same time, that shouldn't have been a semi-final for a big World Cup. That was that was a bit like the borderline, borderline, not even like quarterfinal of a World Cup. It was um, Argentina didn't show up at all, did they? Um, you know, clearly they played their final against Wales. It was really disappointing. It was really sad. But then the first like you know five minutes, and they went three 0 up. It was like, oh, okay, it's getting. And I think that <laughs> yeah. and gives New Zealand a big advantage. Massive advantage. Absolutely. Yeah. I seem to say that South Africa need to find a new well because they've been down to the bottom of the well too many times in recent weeks. Whereas New Zealand didn't have to go down to the well against Argentina and add an extra day rest. Yeah, 100%. And I also think they, they barely got out of second gear. Like they've, but the classic, the classic flip on that Telf is going down to the well, they know what it feels like. Don't get me wrong, New Zealand had an incredible quarterfinal, but like it, when it's fresh in your mind with the fights there, have they? are they going to have that resilience? Because who knows how this this final ain't going to go the way like that semi-final did. They're not going to be able to just blow South Africa out of the water and then cruise to victory. It's, it's a completely different game. And look, things change quickly. Two weeks is a long time in rugby. A long time. And who knows? Who knows if... if if they're going to have that mental readiness for this final. And obviously, Will Jordan was a standout performer, hat-trick man. We chatted about Will Jordan before the tournament started, and very rarely, sometimes you hype up a potential X-Factor star, 
And Damian Penno and Will Jordan were the two coming into the competition where they watched out, and they both have delivered in this competition. Will Jordan especially, getting now to eight tries, joint with Lomu, Savera and Brian Abana for the most tries ever in a single World Cup. And then Rich Mwanga, 2v1 in the last minute of the game, shows himself and gets tackled the line. And Will Jordan had a walk-in to be the all-timer. Do you think any part of Will Jordan now in a Rugby World Cup finals thinking... If I score a try, I will be the highest pull, highest try scorer ever in a Rugby World Cup final. All the chat, obviously, during the week is going to be all about win World Cup, all about win World Cup. If I play in five minutes, win World Cup, I prefer that than going down an absolute legacy. But people talk about Lomu's eight tries, Habana's eight tries, Savez's eight tries. It, 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 you're cemented in legacy if you can do it. And the fact Rich Mohanga didn't give it to him, but then after the game, he said, he's given me so many in my career, I can't be whinging. And that is also true, so... Yeah, I personally, from Will Jordan, gives out humble New Zealand lad and just grinder vibes, but he's a try scorer, and try scores, it must be at the back of their mind. It has to to some degree, but you also must think, going into this game, having already scored eight World Cup tries, when New Zealand win, he scores tries. Like, it's not like he's just suddenly going to go missing. Like, with this, his pace and the way they utilise him, particularly with, like we've mentioned before, the amount of playmakers in that New Zealand team, this man's going to be getting on the end of something. And with the with the amount of belief and confidence he must have right now, there is no chance he's got to be going in this game doubting he's going to get one. He has to. And you can't force it. You've got to play. Just got to play his game. Not focusing on it too much and it will 100% come from 100%. Yeah, no, and just finally in that New Zealand game, I just feel once again, the X Factors turned up. As I we spoke about before, the X Factor turning up. Is there is there a sense maybe that can these Will Jordans keep turning up week in, week out? Because the likes of Asheslin Colby, Curtly Aronsa, it wasn't their game against England. It was raining, it was wet, Colby couldn't do his big charge downs and score in Australia against France. Do you think there's any part of that that maybe not Will Jordan should have held off, but those X Factor star men, Yardy Savez and all? They've been producing now two weeks on the road, stellar standout performances. Is there any argument that they may, can they possibly get back to that level again? Would you rather have had the X Factor having a game off like South Africa did? Well, I think, you know, X Factor, no X Factor, New Zealand wiped the floor with Argentina in that game, regardless. You looking back on it. So, to be honest, X Factor didn't need to turn up. <laughs> like, so, yeah, I mean, for them, like, they're not, that's not the way they're thinking. That's not the way they're looking at it. You know, I, I, I get I get the premise of your question, but at the same time, like, I really can't see it being an issue for them. They're just doing their job. This is, they are inherently just X-factor players and they'll always show a bit of it. And yes, they'll have off weeks and stuff, but, you know, well, now it's time to cement themselves as like some of the best players in the world. And the best players in the world turn up in the big moments. Yeah, and then on that, the biggest nights, we've got so many potential match winners, which is, I think, the reason the two sides are here. Etzerbeth was a match winner against France, and then he was subbed off, and Snyman comes on and is one of the match winners. Like, that's South Africa for you. Their bench is, and Harvey, you've already said that the South Africa are in touch, they win. So the question is, yeah. is it all about the start and New Zealand, a bit like Ireland, getting out to a 13-point lead and then holding on? Yes. Um, and the reason I say yes so confidently, that wasn't very confident, but the reason I say yes is because 
they just New Zealand, New Zealand, South Africa find a way to win. And when they can just start punishing you through like things that are almost inevitable to happen, handling errors, basic free kicks, like the marks, anything, they'll do anything to make it a penalty and they'll get down in your territory. And from that point onwards, they only take so many visits before they're going to start putting points on the board. And yeah, you have to build a lead. You have to build a lead. Like New Zealand have to have a quick start here. Have to. I can't see them going deep 70, 80 minutes in. 60, 70 minutes in, like... You say you know, that, though, but they literally one to went one to the, the well side. against Ireland and, and the last minute pulled out... Uh... But it's a different kind of well. It wasn't like a physical... Like, this is a brawl. Like, when you play South Africa, this it's just about physicality at that point. It's, what have you got in the tank and can you outdo them? Like, they'll make it a one-dimensional game. Whether you like it or not, they will. But do you think South Africa having... God, I get we keep referencing the well, but having gone so deep back-to-back weeks that they might not be fresh. They the, Even yeah, their bench players, the Faris and the Quagga Smiths have played such a big role that even like the impact men are fatigued now. It's not as yeah, simple yeah. as bring on the fresh because the, the boys on the bench aren't overly fresh too. Totally. I mean, we're really going to see what South Africa are made of in terms of they're going to have to now... For th- this is the third week in a row. I know we talked about Ireland. They would have to do this like five in the bounce to five games in the bounce, big games in the bounce. Well, like South Africa have gone three and even three, that big, you know, you don't even get that in the Six Nations really because at least, you know, you're guaranteed one of those games to be a bit of a walk and, and different things. So to go to the well again, to ask your players to get ready to go again, um, so deep, will be really interesting to see just kind of what the South Africa team is made of. I think, if they do do it, if they do kind of find a way to win and, and we see another incredible performance from them, then they're worthy World Cup winners. It has to be one of the greatest World Cup victories of all time if they win. Like, genuinely. I, I was going to go a step further, Harvey. Do you think it's the greatest ever World Cup team if they go back to back? In the yeah. And in terms of referencing, they will have beaten all of the top six, obviously, other than themselves, in the run. Yeah. It's, yeah, yeah ridiculous. Ridiculous. Sorry, they did not. Ireland played, played all of the top six. <laughs> but your, your point on the run-up, they're basically, if they win this, they played three finals. Like, they've played the home nation, who were one of the favourites walking into this, an extremely tough test against England, who kind of got the bounce on them, and then a, an actual final. Like, <laughs> no matter what happened in the group stage, that's three finals. You, you very rarely get that in a World Cup. And to, if they go on top and, and get the better of all three of those sides, then... You just have to clap them and say fair play. Gonzag, fly half man, Hundred Pollard or Manny LeBog. It's meant to be drier um, now this weekend. We'll stick with Manny LeBog. It's horses for courses. Um, I don't think you freak out through the baby off the bath, bathwater and all of a sudden play Andre Pollard. Um, this New Zealand team will not play like the way England did. You because well, New Zealand trust their ability to play their own way rather than adapt. So no, I think um Manny Lebok definitely will start 100%. I have actually no doubt. I think if they think, put the arm yeah. around the shoulder all week and say, you're my man, you're my man, Manny Lebok's going to do something, isn't Every he? person in the South Africa side knows their role. See, a Khaleesi comes off at like 45 minutes and he's happy to do so. Even he's having a stellar performance. Every person knows this role. Manny Lebok will know, obviously he'd be gutted, but he'll know that the game was just not what they clearly prepared for and they had to make a change. And I, you know, I also think as well, just, just touching on that, like, 
you you start Manny Leboc because you need Pollard to finish. And with Pollard's preparation before this World Cup, you can't trust him to go and do full 80 at max efficiency what? and max like you, he has to finish the match. There's no like there's no Leboc clutch kick 79 minute. Like that's not happening. Like it's unless it's right in front of the post. Like Pollard has to finish. So for me, well, his Pollard, first if Pollard was, was a good strike, he looked confident. He only took one and he nailed it. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Those gremlins come back late on in that match. Like it will. It's a World Cup final. Like you, you can't not play Andre Pollard to finish. Like he can't close. He can't not close out the game. You might even see, no matter how the match is going, I wouldn't put it past them to just sub him on at thirty again, even if Man in the Box controlling the match, just because they know they can get fifty out of him. They can get fifty out of Pollard. They know that now. It's all statistical, yeah. Yeah, and and ultimately Pollard's the ten they want. It's just someone has to fill the other thirty. And that's no disrespect. No, I, think, no, I think that's incredibly think... unfair. My Lebok has been has been good. His running yeah. game, especially against France, was exceptional. His crossfield kicks are on the money. He's a really good ball playing kicking ten. He just struggles off the tee, and as you say, but I tell you, struggled off the tee was Richie Mwanga against Argentina, and I think the way they do it is Richie Mwanga. Well. They've been sharing Zach. I'll be honest. New Zealand have done an Ali and Zach. They share yeah. the tea, and Jordy Barrett. I'm pretty sure is the Hutchie and brings out the slinger from out wide and long, <laughs> and then Rich Moya takes the ones in the in the gimmies. But at the same time, like Jordy Barrett was kicking up, was kicking against Ireland, and then Rich Moya was doing a lot against Argentina, and then I remember against him, their fight, their final game in the pool. Um, you know they were letting Boone Barrett take a couple, and after Ian Foster said he won, he won because Dean McKenzie was kicking well, and then he gave the tee to Boone Barrett, and, McKen- and then Foster was like, "Oh, I want the Barrett to get a few because we never know if we'll need him." Type thing. So, like, who is their number one kicker? Isn't quite nailed in before a World Cup final, because it looks like it looked like it was Jordy Barrett, and then for Rich Moya to kick against Argentina really did confuse me. It is confusing, especially from a team like New Zealand. You'd expect it from South Africa, <laughs> but you don't expect it from a team as traditional as the All Blacks, you know? Um, so it would be really interesting to see. Yeah, it's be really interesting to see what happens. You know, will they just, will they play to their advantage in terms of Richie Moana just misses a few and then Jordy Barrett cleans it up? Or the big thing is too, can you afford to have that uncertainty and can you afford even Jordy Barrett to miss a few and then switch because those could be the that could be the deciding moments of the game, you know. So like it's is, is that why you start is that why you start mind the box because you potentially know New Zealand aren't quite at 90, 95% like Andre Pollard, who by the way hasn't missed a kick in the whole flipping competition. So yeah. he's the only one out of the four that you know will nail everything. And is it too certain to say could Andre Pollard have a bit nervous? Because Andre Pollard can be a bit off like this is a lot of the where in the build up basically a lot of the a lot of the South African media are like people are a bit harsh on my in the box Pollard isn't perfect off the tee but Pollard is perfect off the tee quarter final semi final final of rugby world cups that is factual and you can even have to go back to a little young Andre Pollard in twenty fifteen kneeling everything as a little youngster straight after under twenties. So he definitely is needs the pressure on his head but the fact that the others haven't done it semi-final final stage and maybe that's why it's fine to start Manny Lebok because there's more likelihood Richie Moanga might pull one early Manny Lebok pull one's early and then you just get on when it matters but 
there's no doubt Jordy Barrett's good for the long range now. And he could yeah. be getting inside 50, a bit like Pollard, but... <clears throat> The difficulty, in a way, as well, is because you have all three of them New Zealand kickers on the pitch at one time. Like it, it the decision's not taken out of your hands. Whereas, whereas with Scott with South Africa, you've almost got one kicker on the pitch every time. It's it's a black and white decision. Whereas it could be, it could get a bit convoluted. There could be some funny discussions going on later on if Moranga whiffs a few. If it's a bit longer out and Jordy fancies himself, who knows? Like it could get a bit weird, and then at that point you're putting the sh- you're putting even more pressure on your own shoulders if you step up and say no, this is mine. So that could play a factor. Who knows? Well, do, do we think it's gonna be like that? Gonna come down to crunch a hundred Pollard type moments, or do you think? I know Harvey, you've entertained the idea of a blowout. Could we? Is it that mad? South Africa completely fatigued. Will Jordan the boys turn it on? No, I don't think so. I think getting no. rid of the South African side, they will fight. Is it more likely? Early. Is it more likely that we have a New Zealand blowout than a South Africa blowout? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think so. I think so. Um, I just that think... still doesn't make them favourites for you. <laughs> It's so weird. I don't know. Oh man, I, right. I don't know who I back. Like even like in terms of predictions, like I don't know who I back because both incredible teams both play their own style of rugby too. It's kind of like what style of rugby wins. I don't know. Like a part of me wants to give it to New Zealand just purely on like a rational point of view of South Africa are just going to be fatigued. Like there's no doubt about it. They have one less day. To so Zach, I've got an analogy for you. It's called the nope. Killian Mbappe analogy. I nope. it, South Africa might just fall into that. It is far, too, it is too good to be true. To go back to back, to go through <laughs> all those teams, a bit like Killian Mbappe in the last World Cup, dragging a side to the final, scoring a hat trick in the World Cup final, to go back to back before you're what when you're 24, and it was just too good to be true, and it just didn't happen for him. Like, is there any of that that you you just don't do back to back, and you don't do back to back against New Zealand. I think there's another aspect to this as well, whereas like both these sides are, but they're playing not just for a World Cup, but they're playing to be out and right. Most World Cups, you know, each side, whoever wins will go on to four. And each side holds themselves to be the rugby, the true rugby nation. So it'll be even that factor will be like, I doubt it'll be conscious, but it's kind of subconscious. You know, there's always been that, there's always been that intense rivalry between South Africa and New Zealand every time they play each other. And it will be intense again. Like there's no doubt about it. The physicality will be will be to another level. But then it's just like after the couple of weeks that South Africa's had, can they sustain it? All the flip sides, you know, they've been preparing for this. You know, they've been rotating squads. They've been getting ready for games like this. And actually, you know, most of their forward pack only play 45, 50 minutes. So maybe they are ready to go. And yeah, I think I, I I'm gonna back South Africa. Actually, uh, yeah, I'm going to back South Africa. I think South Africa win by five. For me, on the lead up to this, as much as South Africa have gone in the well, classic well, I think, and this is only looking from a very amateur perspective, South Africa have exposed more weaknesses than New Zealand. New Zealand, if they do their preparation right, can do what England didn't, and that's give a proper, proper lead. I'm talking three, four scores like a proper lead. And at that point, I think it's just too much of a hill to climb. And for me, that's the reason New Zealand win the World Cup. I think they've just got that X factor that we didn't have. They'll utilize 
They'll exploit the weaknesses of Sauron. They'll make a line break. <laughs> yeah, basically. Um, <laughs> they'll utilize the aerial game where they need to. They'll utilize their kicking because don't get me wrong, they've got some excellent kickers in that team. They'll go wide when they have to. They'll make breaks. They'll be in, in, innovative. But it'll be too much of a hill to climb South Africa. And in my head, it'll be tight at the end. Don't get me wrong. Final score, close within a score. But New Zealand never looked like not winning in my head. Bold, it's bold. I like it. Yeah, I, I was saying about the Kalina and Bappe analogy. Back to back, this, the teams South Africa had to come through. It just feels too good to be true. And that's why I was saying that'll be one of the greatest, if not the greatest, Rugby World Cup team ever to do it if they do it. And it, that's why I, you want to get on board that because you want to see legacy. You want to you want to tell your children, oh, grandchildren. I watched, <laughs> I watched the greatest team ever. Because of what they achieved, um, even though Ireland beat them, Zach, as you like to remind everyone. But yeah, for me, the, the, it's again the well factor, and if but I don't want to say that because only South Africa are the team that you want to rule out because of it, and they'll channel that this week. But I think New Zealand went. I think Ian Foster went very on New Zealand like, and they were happy enough to give a bit against us France, but not go to complete exhaustion to win that game and that's not like New Zealand not winning the pool they wanted to peak for that quarterfinal and they did and they've been getting better and better where it feels like South Africa are hanging on to this high level of performance and they showed cracks you said Harvey whereas New Zealand are just getting better and better when that ball's kicked off it'll be a World Cup final and people will forget about fatigue and I'm gonna go Andre Pollard again. That in the in the in the dying moments, it's too good to be true. And then you have to put his name in Zag. What are we talking? It, you have to put him up there with. I wouldn't Dan say Carter. greatest player, greatest player of all time because, but you would have to put him as the greatest player in Rugby World Cup history. Greatest spot kicker. Yeah. Rugby World Cup history. He's only 29, like he's got another World Cup in him. So, <laughs> so you, is that what you're checking there? <laughs> yeah, I was checking. I literally was probably the, 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 No, the, are we saying he has to do it then when he's 33? Uh, he has to then do it again. And then when three World Cups with his. At that blood, point, he literally will be a last last 20 minute man, just straight on. Give him the tea, don't give him anything else. But yeah, no, I, I think that kicking factor is going to be the difference maker in the fact, well, it won't be the difference maker if Richie Moanga, Jordy Barrett, if they can turn it on and have the kick into their lives, I think New Zealand will win it, but I think it'll come down to that. I think Andre Pollard is just too good and those guys don't grow in trees and we will not see another one of him for a long, long time. But And before that, third place, <laughs> third place playoff, <laughs> third place playoff, England, Argentina, what we say in predictions, boys? We won't do a big analysis. Deep uh, down the, big, the big opener from Group D, I think it was. can't remember off the top of my head. Um, Back to meet again. Hopefully, a little bit more exciting. I mean, it was a decent result for us, but nah, England win. England, nah, it's classic Argentina. They're going to batter us. I don't know. England win. I think <laughs> we it might means just be. More... Wait, it's, cla- it's so classic England though to just not get up for this game. Like they don't Argentina care. So arrogant. So we'll be so arrogant. I know what I'd be like in a third place playoff. I'm not asked. Like I don't care about bronze. That, that's third what I'm or saying. fourth. I, think... I couldn't even. I don't even remember the result of. I wasn't even in. We were in the final. I don't even remember the result of 2019. <laughs> I couldn't tell you a single third place playoff in any major tournament in world sport. Like no one cares. <laughs> New Zealand battered. New Zealand battered Wales in it. If you're wondering. But, there uh, you go. 
I can see I can see Argentina win. And Argentina actually saved themselves for the third place because <laughs> they realized Oh god, you know, get the world ranking points. That's what they want. Very, uh, no, get, into that, get into Zach, get into top four or whatever he said, top three. That's what he wants. <laughs> okay, That's what no, Czech is yeah, thinking about. Yeah, yeah. No, I actually right. think Argentina win. Yeah, I'm yeah. gonna go Argentina win just because I And then you give it the big out. and the both looks crap. England are awful. Just a fluke. No, I don't think any of this game will really matter in history, but I just feel what Checker was saying after the game was a lot like we've never beco- we've never come third before in a World Cup. Like let's kind of go make history now in the third place playoff, and it felt a bit yeah, more like they'll get a big friend. homecoming and stuff. And it's kind of England right now, and it's done. So and it's it's a bit of a rivalry anyway between Argentina and England. Like it's a big game historically. It's a big there is a bit of meat on that bone. It's not just the third place playoff. Um, so there's always a bit of pride at stake, a lot of pride at stake, and I, I, I know it sounds a bit rogue, but I think you might see a bit of rotation, you know, just because the boys might be knackered and England might try a few things and then it'll punish them. Something weird it's, like um, that'll happen. It's third test, Lions two nine. That's what it is. Like, yeah, no, it's good. It's a good analogy and vibe, Zach. But no, boys, we'll catch you next week then for final pod, the Rugby World Cup final review, which will be big. And tasty, and hopefully we have a classic that we can add to our classics list. But no, big fans. Yeah. Anyone that's good this far in the podcast, follow follow us on all our platforms: Spotify at Telfoy Podcast, Twitter Rugby Tell, Instagram Telfoy Podcast, even on TikTok nowadays. We're everywhere at Telfoy Rugby. So please follow us everywhere. And we'll catch you next week. <laughs>